Welcome to Dylan Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Sessler. Today is episode 16. Uh, I've got an incredible guest lined up for you. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. But before we get to our guest, I gotta promote myself. Uh, I got a brand new audiobook, The Father of Darkness, is on Audible now. Um, so if you're going for those long drives, just you know, pop it in for pop it in your ear for five hours and listen to my wonderful voice. It'll be great. Um, and lastly, don't forget to join my inspirational text platform. I send daily texts, uh, mostly kind of perspective focused, inspiration focused, trying to get you through your day, trying to think about how to overcome the issues that you have and working through it on your own time. Um, just go ahead and text hi to 1608-336-4480. It's in the, uh, in the description. You can always find it there. Now, my guest today is without a doubt an inspiring storyteller. I found him on TikTok a long time ago. I've um, been following him for a long time. He has almost 350,000 followers and now over 7 million likes on TikTok, mostly sharing tributes of some of the most heroic military figures in history. And as a U.S. Uh, US Marine combat veteran, my guest has a way of carrying forward the memories of those we have lost in a way that is so incredibly memorable. And I want you to meet this guy, Terry Kim. How are you? Hey, how's it going, brother? Thanks for having me. Of course, man. So, Terry... Give, you know, I, I know I introduced you, but the, an introduction never gives you enough of what, a, of who a person is. So give me a little bit of understanding. Like we didn't really talk about your background and where, you know, you're a Marine. That's all I know. So give me an understanding of your story. Where, where did you come from? Why did you start doing the TikTok thing? Like I, like I started doing. So tell me, tell me, tell me things. Yeah, man. Uh, the way I look at it, I mean, I'm born and raised in New York, uh, New York city. I joined the Marines right after high school. It's like many, you know, uh, and that was my pretty much my first time seeing the world, right? Going, joining the military, being outside of New York, going to uh, boot camp, uh, and then going going to California. That's where I was stationed at in Twenty Nine Palms, you know. I, and then going to Twenty Nine Palms, I landed in like in um, Palm Spring Airport, and I first time I saw my first palm tree. I was like, oh man, it's so freaking awesome. So like life. The military, I love it. I love the military. It showed me, it showed me life, you know. Uh, and it was like a stepping stone. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm, I always, I was always infatuated with the military, right? Ever since I was a kid, uh, the the guns, the planes, everything about it. And then being a marine, joining the military, uh, just, you know, it 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 just connected everything, right? Like, oh man, it is true. It is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it is awesome. No matter what, you know, it is miserable. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. You know, right? Everybody can agree. Um, it's a love facts. and hate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you do the most raw. It's, it's it's life. I think it shows you a part of life that you'll never get to experience if you don't like you know, I, I don't know, right? It's just such a crazy experience. Absolutely. Um, and it's different for everybody too, but for the foundation of it, it's they, they got it, you know, a good formula. So everybody experiences pretty much the same foundation, whether it's right. basic training, boot camp, and all that stuff. Uh, and then, you know, you're going to have different uh, specific experiences, right? But in the, mo in the big uh, macro sense or the big scheme of things, we're all brothers and sisters, right? Because right? we all go through that same trials and tribulations. I always believe if we go through something, uh, you know, like some kind of hardship, together it, it creates a stronger bond it always does no matter what you know yeah. um and that's and re regardless if we were there together 
right? Like we didn't share the same experience at the same moment, same time, same day, but we understand each other. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you know? Yeah. So I love that about that. Uh, there's a connection that, that we, we all have, you and, know? That, and it's, it's so raw, right? Like it never, never have I ever met another kind of person than a veteran that, that we can become so fundamentally close instantly, right? Like yes. we, we have never met before. We've barely talked on, you know, messaging back and forth, but we come on, you know, and, and we just start talking about life. Like it's, it's no big deal. Like we know, yeah. you always seem to know who a veteran is before he ever, <laughs> before you ever meet him. Like, I just, yeah. I just knew that this conversation was going to go this way. And I love, I love how you put it like that life, right? Like is the military life is very much a representation of how hard life can be, but how much of a, you know, how, how enjoyable it can be. Like there's, there's such a dichotomy there where it can be so, so fucking hard. And yet at the same time, that hardness creates something that can never be experienced anywhere else. And I think you're, you're absolutely right. That's such a powerful statement. What you just said reminded me, like when I remember just being in boot camp and I was so, I was starving. It was at night, you know, you were going to sleep and you just burned so many calories. Yeah. And I, I'm just so hungry. I remember. And that's when I realized I was 19 at the time. And I was like, how much I wanted a Snickers bar. <laughs> I wanted a Snickers. I, and that's when I really appreciated things, you know, like when you can't have it. And that's why I learned. I'm like, okay, now I, now I am starting to understand you know, life a little bit, right? Like, oh, yeah. we take things for granted. You know, we always hear it, but right. really, truly understanding, experiencing those little things, those little moments is, is, is such a, is a great awakening, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how, how long were you in the Marines? Uh, I did four years. Four years? Yeah. Uh-huh. What, and what, what told you to get out? Uh, so... My whole, so joining the Marines, I just always wanted to go into combat. You know, I was just like, you know, train. I want to, my brother was a Marine and and he was, he was in Iraq when I was joining. He had like, he has three deployments under him. Uh, So I wanted to join that fight. Right. Uh, I want, you know, if you see your brother fighting on the street or even a close friend, you join that fight and you, you know, no questions asked. That's how it was for me. Same thing. You know, I wanted to serve the country, serve my country. So being wanting to go to combat and seek experience combat, especially training after it so hard for it and wanting it. Right. And then I, I didn't get to go. I, I, I went to Japan. I went on a UDP. It's called a unit deployment program where you get sure. to go to Japan and, and you go to like Thailand. We went to Thailand. amazing experience, amazing experience. And I'll never forget it. And during the end of that deployment, that's when I got the, like a, like an email from my staff sergeant. And he said, Hey, you want to go to Iraq? Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like, that's, you know, cause he, and then been, that's when I, what we trained for. Yeah, exactly. So, so the first four years in the military goes by quick, right. I think, cause you're, you, you know, you, you get your foundations and then uh, for the first year and the next year, it's just like pretty much you, you just kind of fit in to yeah. your unit. Uh, and if you could fit in the deployment, that's what I did. Right. That's what happened for me. And then I squeezed in a, uh, you know, a non-combative deployment. Uh, to Japan and Thailand and just like vacation. I don't want to call it vacation, but it was because there was a lot of misery, right. uh, <laughs> but a lot of great experience for this, like that kid that came from New York that never left 
right and seeing getting to see the world again is is such a crazy experience so that opened up my eyes and then going to iraq iraq you know after i get, came back it was it was tiring right you know you're mentally and physically tired just like yeah. man especially if you we were fighting you know uh and we you know we lost some people and, and people got hurt some marines got hurt too and it's very stressful right just, just you know i don't have to say that right it's stress, stressful yeah. time and it was just tiring but so I, by the time i got out i mean got back from iraq i only had like a few um a couple of months a few months maybe like four or five months till i eas so it was a decision that i had to make because the unit that i went with they're going to afghanistan after after coming back they had six months of training and they're going to go right back to Af to afghanistan Jeez. i wanted to go they was like, you know, they're like, hey, Kim, come on, come with us. I was like, damn, I had to re-up then <laughs> or yeah. extend at least, right? And that was, that was the decision. And during that time, what went through my mind was I really wanted to go. Uh, did I think if I went, I might have died too? Of course, right? There's a chance, huge chance. Because the unit that, that did go, they, they suffered. A, we, we suffered so much casualties yeah. during the first couple of months. I, I believe like 25 um I either died or you know yeah just like that in the first couple of months people that i knew who i just deployed with so it was afghanistan was 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 a rough deployment for them and i of course i didn't go um what 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 made me got, get out was you know just being so tired but one thing that really um got me was the fact that life in the marine corps or even the military goes by so fast it goes by so fast because we're always doing something there's always something to do you're always you have to report somewhere and i loved it but it just went by so fast for me that i felt like man this life that i just experienced remember i told you it was like man i'm just experiencing everything new I, as much as i love the marine corps and the military and the country like i wanted to experience life too and i want to see what else was out there for me you know right. um i remember seeing my staff sergeant he was i think 26 at that time fairly young if we're looking back yeah. but as a as like a 20 20 21 year old 22 26 and 27 looks very very old right. he looked old too you know <laughs> so i was like oh man i don't want to be my son I, I love my stats sorry but that's not a chevy but um you know i was like man life goes by fast in the military i felt like it uh so i wanted to you know I'm an explorer, I want to say, you know, and I wanted to explore new things, what college was like and all this other crazy stuff. Yeah. And I, you know, I, being in 29 Palms, which is like straight up desert in California, uh, I, you know, especially at that time, my mind was like, man, I don't think I'll ever get a girlfriend out here either. You know, <laughs> I, <laughs> right. I was single for a really long time, man. And, you know, it's like well, all these, you know, there's many variables, but the big thing was like, I, I, I want to go see life. It might be a little selfish in, in a sense. I felt like too, I thought, you know, it's like, man, my, my boys are going to Afghanistan. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, Hey, I had boys while I was in Iraq leave in middle of deployment because they're, <laughs> yeah, they, they did that. So like, you know, so they're like, Oh yeah, I'm leaving in two weeks in the middle of the deployment. I'm like, damn lucky, you know, it's yeah. very lucky and, 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 and good on them. It's part of the job, right? Yeah. So that's my thing. I wanted to experience life and see what else is out there. But one thing that led me to TikTok is I always felt like the story needed to be told, though, because what I saw, I find myself as like an average Joe. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm not nothing. I'm nobody special. I'm not like Jocko or some navies. I'm not, I'm just the average Joe that went through that rose that raised my hand, maybe like an idiot, <laughs> you, but I want to interrupt here because you okay. know, what's remarkable about this is that I, I love, I love this. I love when people do this in front of me because you say you're just an average dude, but you're not. That's, that's why nearly 350,000 people follow you and you have over 7 million likes on TikTok because you're not just average, right? Like there, there's, there's people that will never realize this, that would have never realized the stories that you shared if you had never done what you've done, which to me, like that makes you a hero in your own way. And I know you probably look at it and you say, I fucking hate that idea because what did I do? But the reality is, is that you've made an impact and that's what heroes do. True. Right. You've done that. Like, and people won't forget the stories that you've told because they're out there. They're in the world now they're on the internet. They're on the line. Right. And it's there. And that makes you fundamentally a hero. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Like, I, and I don't know if you needed to hear that today, but like, you need to hear that. Today, <laughs> right? I appreciate that, brother. Got me. Because you have to keep you have to keep doing what you know is right for you. And that like that's what heroes, that's what a hero is, right? Like that's the mm-hmm. stories that you tell. Someday someone's gonna tell your story. I appreciate that. Yeah. I hope so. <laughs> it's be I mean, so cool. I hope so. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I don't you know, like thinking about that, like I don't like talking about myself really, you know. Yeah. I, I like talking about other people. Uh, yeah. You, you know, I, yeah. This <laughs> is so weird. Oh, no, it's good. I'm not used to talking about myself. But yeah, so, you know, the, <laughs> the story, I definitely wanted, you know, I definitely needed to tell people like, whoa, this is like the craziness, the madness and all the, and the, and the funny. Yeah. I, I, when I, I love laughing and stuff like that. I think I'm, my, I, I never laughed so much being in the military. Military, you know, right. Maybe it's maybe it's like the environment we're in, such a shitty environment that you know laughing. It, it's it the makes best it so coping much, skill, yeah. Right. It was so it's so. It's, I never met so many funnier people uh, around me. So I love telling stories like that. You know, those those stories might not be as exciting, but I tell those you know stories to, more personally to my friends and, and family. Like, oh, I had this kid. I know, you know, but but these big stories, man. Like, they're they. I I, I want to tell them because I need to tell people that these people exist. So many people don't know that we have, again, to me, they're not, they might've been regular Americans, like, you know, just regular people that raised their hands, but they, they did extraordinary things. Right. Like, you know, like running into things that people normally would not do. Well, first of all, people, normal people wouldn't raise their hands and join the military. Right. <laughs> so it's a, it's a pretty, you know, and, and rightfully so. I understand, you know, I, I don't down anybody that you know i i respect it too at the same time like shoot you know um if if my recruiter had been honest about what i was going to see in afghanistan in 2012 i would have said fuck no right because i like we don't know what we're getting into right like like and it's not a recruiter's fault like he's just got to do his job right and somebody's got to recruit but the reality of war is that the, the calling for people like myself and like you, like you, 
for us to go there has almost nothing to do with the military and everything to do with what we're running away from, I think. Is that so many in in my experience, and I've you know, 14 years almost, um, in my experience, there's so many people running away from a lack of connection to find that connection. And we've been talking about it, right? Like you've never laughed so much in your life in the military, right? Like it's true. It's true for me. Like I'm a funny guy, but guess what? Like the military brings out a side of funny within me that is completely different, right? I don't know how, like I, I try to be as consistent as I can wherever I go. The military is the military. These people do not give a shit about your, your, your judgment, right? Like, like they don't care about judgment, like tomorrow they could die. So they're going to have fun today and not care about like, if you had a problem with me, let's deal with it. Let's get it over with because tomorrow we might die. And I don't want you to have that on your conscience, right? Like there's just a connection that is made and forged in, in these terrible moments that we have to deal with that cannot be recreated. And it's this, so many people just come to it. But if, mm-hmm. if we knew, if we knew, if we really knew, it'd probably be a no. Yeah. I mean, I want to say maybe a side of me knew a little bit. Cause yeah, I, I mean, maybe we, we no, technically you don't know. You never know. You'll, ne- you'll never know right. until you experience it. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, it's, but there's still a, a sort of, it takes a character. Yeah. It takes somebody to raise their hand and still do it. You know, right. even if, even if you don't deploy, that's, I know so many uh, friends of mine that, that, that never deployed and, 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 and then fine. That's, you know, and it's, it's the fact that, that you're crazy enough to raise your hand to, join, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to call them crazy, but you know, there's, there's other people do see that way. Like, Oh man, it's pretty crazy. I feel like it's either crazy or ignorant. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I was right. I was ignorant. I'm very maybe, ignorant. Maybe a little crazy too. <laughs> I think both. Definitely, I had both of those uh, ingredients. Right. That made me. Yeah, it's uh, it's so it's such an interesting dynamic, right? Like, and even me looking back, it's like if I had known, like, there's definitely a lot of me that says no, but there's also like I look around those glaring problems and and situations that i that i had to deal with and had to see that if you look around everything else you're like i would have missed out on a lot of who i am right now mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm 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 happy with who i am right like Definitely. i'm i'm really proud of what i've done and for most of my life i wasn't and the military taught me in many ways to have pride for myself to have respect for myself to you know the, I mean, the, the sense of courage and integrity, both were created and in, 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 I shouldn't say created, but very much molded to be what they are because of the values the military has taught me. Definitely. And I mean, it's, it's hard to say, like, if I had only, if I had known only the bad stuff, I would have said no. But if I had known all of it, like if I knew I was going to get where I am now, right it'd be a, it'd be a yes for me. So it's like, it's, yeah. it's weird. Exactly. I'll, I'll never take, I'll never, you know, this, you know, that question is like, Oh, if you could go back in time and change that, I, I won't change anything. I can't change anything. Cause I, right. I, I'm glad that I, yeah, again, what you said, 
I'm glad who I became, who I have become. Uh, it was a struggle, you know, because first I went in as 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 like you said, like ignorant almost, like you know, you don't know anything, and and like again, there's no life experience, real life experience. Um, coming out was even more experiences, right? Because after that, I had a struggle. Like, it was a struggle period with, with like PTSD and all that stuff. And oh man, you know, one thing with the military. Especially, you know, I never experienced death before joining. So that was one thing that you experience in life, which is very important right. in life is to experience death, the end of it too, right? And it, that's, and it was, it hit me. I never had anybody die around me. At, you know, so, was, you know, no, and I didn't have a grandparents that, did, that died, that passed away. I didn't have anybody close for me, to me that, 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 that died and made me like super sad. Um, until I got out I mean until I, I got in and and that's when I first went to my first funeral you know my sergeant died um and so and all that stuff so that's my all these experiences that I had so life experience including death was was all there especially combat right. uh, I think it was one of the best thing that I think our you know war has taught me was 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 trying to build a good relationship with death you know have a good relationship with death yeah I don't I always believe, and I, and I, and I just got there. So it took me after getting out, took me about like another 10 years to like get my mind right, you know, to where I'm today. I'm like, because before I was just like all over the place. I still a little chaotic. All that chaos was still in me. Um, And it just took time. It took, it took a lot of time. What, what was it that helped you kind of put the pieces of that together? Man, what, uh, every time I, I don't know, you know, there's so many things like I, I tried, um, suffering <laughs> yeah. going, I just had to suffer. You had to go, you have to suffer. You're going to suffer. Uh, you can't avoid the suffering. Um, but it's self-awareness, I think was, was the biggest thing, understanding true self-awareness, self-awareness. Why is this happening? You know? Yeah. Is this, is this stoppable? Is this treatable, curable or, or stoppable? Is this something, you know, cause I, I, that's what I try to search for. It was like, I, I didn't just stick with meds. I stuck with, I mean, I, I tried everything. Yeah. I, first of all, I, I, I knew there was a problem. Nobody was, I didn't look for help for like, Oh, can you help me? I, I just, I looked at, you know, within myself, I don't know if everybody can do that. Um, so it's, 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 it's tough, right? It's very tough, especially if you have depression and, and you know, if you're suicidal, especially it's, it's, just, it's a tough game. It's right. a tough, it's a tough road. So you have to suffer though. And it's, it's a, some people just suffer too much, you know, and, and, it, and, and that suffering is just, you just can't, you can't deal with it. But, um, I, I tried everything. Um, you know, I, I really like a lot of meditation, you know, and that these are recent ones that like that really got me to really okay understanding myself, like why understanding, like before I wouldn't want to talk about war, you know, uh, now I can like yeah. post it on internet too <laughs> at the same time. Right. So I like that. I like that achievement, you yeah. know, and uh, and and it's not about me. I self awareness is one one of the biggest things is to understand. Yeah, you know, you, we're we're we're. We're, we're this small, you know, this, the, it's, everything else is so much bigger than you. And that's how it always was in the military, right? 
Uh, I think we forget about that because that's why you have so many people sacrificing their themselves for the mission, for the buddy next to them, for, you know? So we always understood that. Um, I think we, after either you get out of the Marine Corps or military, um, you kind of lose these, these, you know, these, these, this training and this, this integrity that you have within yourself, you lose that because of this, all this chaos. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kind of released into this world, oh, yeah. into the real world, you know, because being in the military, you're kind of confined into this very organized, especially being on base. I felt so f- safe being on base. Yeah. When I, when I got out, that I remember the next, when I came from California, I went, came back to New York. I remember waking up the next morning and I felt lost. I just felt lost because I didn't have no one to report to after four years of doing, you know, having a routine, like such a strict routine too, and, and a strict environment, like the military, I, I got lost. I felt lost. I, I, you know, I like almost pointless. Yeah. If I look back right now, it's always almost pointless. Like, what do I do? Right. Um, and I didn't understand that I should, I sh- you know, that emotions, you, you can control happy. I should have been happy. Oh, no. <laughs> You know what a great right. it was beautiful morning too. I remember the sun was this nice weather. I just remember I was like, but I was confused. Yeah. Like, what do I do? And that confusion confuses you more. And then that's how I think a lot of people spiral down. That's what happened to me. Yeah. So I drank a lot. I would drink a lot. Um, I would go out and fight. Yeah. Just madness. I was, you know, just maybe a lot of guilt. Yeah. You know, especially after combat, right? There's a lot of guilt. Um survival skill i learned so you know i try to learn why it's happening and then you try to piece it together and and it's always going to be sad you're always going to i think back on you know all the stuff all the people who died too even just reading these stories it breaks me so that's why sometimes i just have to like i don't i sometimes can't do it every day sometimes you know it's like it's like being you know one of those facebook um moderator like you know that you ever heard about that job where they have to like check for dick pics and stuff like that every day and that could mess them up they yeah. look at blood and dead pictures like people you know right. constantly it will mess you up um this doesn't mess me up that much i'm just saying you know but it's not to that extent it's hard it though. Does, yeah it's still like it still breaks my heart you know i i i, I, I cry <laughs> you know just yeah. when i when i'm reading the story to make the story i'm like man man that stuff because i know what it was like to be in a position in that where 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 that marine or soldier or airman whoever right was because it it's a stressful and, and shitty situation already and then what made you know like what made them, what makes them do that one thing above and beyond right it's it, it, like that brings a tear to my eye because you're like no matter how shitty and miserable or situation you're in you still had the fortitude to be like F this. I'm gonna go in, even though you might not be able to. Let's say the story is some burning car, a burning Humvee. He runs in there. You, many people won't. Right. It's sad. Absolutely. I think I think that makes you a fucking awesome human being. Yeah, it does. Because that's, oh. I mean, the the ability for you to be honest about that is just it, it's a testament to what you've had to go through and how, how much you recognize your need to feel as being fundamentally important to you. Oh, you're talking about me. I thought you're talking I'm about, talking- you know, the, the person doing the awesome thing is an awesome human being. I was I'm like, talking yeah. about you. 
I, I appreciate that. I like, I like talking about you cause you don't like talking about you. So I'm going to do it for you. Um, <laughs> but no, man, like that, I mean, because, cause people are going to look at this, uh, at this episode, right. And they already know where to find the tributes to the heroes, but there's a lot of people that are going to look at you and recognize themselves. They're going to relate to you because you're, you're telling people all the things that they already are thinking about that mm-hmm. you've done. Right. And yeah. the ability for a Marine, right. Just a random Marine out on the, on the streets to see this video and look at you and recognize like, you know, the importance of understanding how, how fundamental emotions are for people. Well, they've got a Marine right in front of them telling them, <laughs> right. And showing them and one that respects the culture and respects the heroes and respects the, you know, that this person has done this. And I got a feel for that because in a sense, it's not just about you, right? Your feelings aren't, aren't just about how you feel. They're about giving that recognition and that appreciation to that person that sacrificed. Definitely. And this, this random guy is going to watch this video and recognize that within himself. And he's going to start being able to justify doing the right thing for himself rather than going out drinking rather than, you know, getting into drugs because he doesn't know how to handle the chaos. And that's like the people that I want to bring on this podcast, that this is it, right? I, I want to share people that don't sometimes don't even recognize themselves as heroes. Right. And, and people that have gone through the process of understanding themselves right? The self-awareness is, I mean, it's such, such a profound word, self-awareness that we just don't recognize enough. You know, like if, if there's something that is, that needs to be taught in school, self-awareness, because it's the place where oftentimes people realize the wrong thing because they don't have self-awareness. Definitely. I think also, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Real quick, um, self-awareness too. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm not as self-aware. What I've learned to be self-aware is that before I thought I was self-aware. Right. I'm just being more self-aware that I'm not self-aware because that's how that's that's like a (laughs) mind trick, right? It's like you have to understand that we have so many blind spots, and you know, try. We're always trying to be under. I'm trying to understand now instead of trying to be understood. You know. Absolutely. And that. And that, and that brings me more to peace, trying to understand, if I understand somebody that, that, that stops hate because I understand, I, that's how I think hate is, hate is always taught, no matter what. It's not like we're born with it. It's not a DNA. Uh, it's, it's, it's what we experience and, and, or somebody taught us to not like somebody or whatever. Yeah. Um, and these are the things I, I'm trying to understand. Life, this is life, right? Yeah. Like why, why does, why do this, group hate this group and why does you know why are they fighting and it's because i'm looking at them like wow it's a huge thing of people not really knowing each other they knew each other you know right it's almost that simple and that's how i I, i'm like whoa life is actually a lot simpler than we make than we make it to be you know it's a lot simpler yeah we make it a lot uh chaotic i feel like uh it it's funny you say that because i I've been talking to clients more often lately that I'm like, I, I, what I do is pretty simple, right? Like I, I help people understand perspective. I help people understand self-awareness and 
the reality is it's pretty fucking simple. I, and I'd love to say it was more complex because I spent 25 years struggling with it. Right. I would love to say it's, it's super complex. Let me tell you all the secrets, right? I'd love to say that because then it would make me feel better about how, how hard it was for me to get through all of the things that I had to, to understand. Yeah. But it's pretty fucking simple. It is. It's hard. It doesn't take Very away hard. the, the, the hardness of it, but it's mm. simple. Yeah. And we, like it's to, like, yeah. Yeah. It's like one of those things, like, you know, when you try to learn something, it's like, you overthink it. You think it's that complicated. And when you, when you're taught it, you're like, what, that's it. They're yeah. like, yes, that is, you, know, you overthink things. A lot of the things are simpler than what it seems to be. Um, it's just, yeah. These, why, are, these are the things that I'm trying to make. Why do you think people overthink it? I'm curious. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I, my, what I'm thinking is that people think things are a lot more complicated, uh, right. Than it seems because I don't know. It's just like our, our self, we stop ourselves. Like we are our yeah. own worst enemy. Right. So Absolutely. if that's the case, then we were, we like, Oh, Hey, you can own your own business. Like if oh, I want to start my own business, but you know, a lot of people are like, but I'm, you know, us oh, crazy. I don't know what to do. You know, it's just like, they, it's themselves. I don't know. It's just, we're so some, and some people aren't like that. Very little people that are like, Oh, I can do this. Yeah. And then try and fail and then keep going too at the same time. Right. They don't need like, um, really somebody to push them. Um, they find things at themselves. So, and then some people, and most people I think are just built differently. Right. Um, I think it's, I think it's the concept of judgment. Yes. I think, I think, I think the people that are able to do the, the incredible things, right? Like they, they one have, a, have either grown up with a different, a, a very different cultural understanding of judgment, like one self-judgment for sure, but also like they didn't, they may have right. or may have not been um, taught judgment early on as being, being almost like spite in some ways. Sure. But like, I, I think, I think people, tend to look at themselves and judge themselves because that was a voice that was taught to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and like you said, hate is taught. I like it's, it's, it's how people process the vision of others. I think, because if you, if, if you are stopping yourself because, you know, you, you state this reason, well, where'd you get that reason from? More than likely mm -hmm. it was cultural it was parental, it was uh, peer-based or, exactly. you know, like a number of other places where you got that reason from yeah, and, and you acquired somehow, it. And somehow you've justified that for as long as you have. When the reality is, is that culture has not created a, a positive connotation on failure. Exactly. And failure is the most important thing in the world, right? Like definitely hundred percent. When, when you touch a hot stove, that's a failure. A failure. Guess what? <laughs> As a lesson. Luckily, your hand will heal if you don't touch it for long enough. And then you, when you look at that stove again, you'll be like, I wonder if that's hot this time. And you put your hand next to the stove and you don't touch it this time. And you're like, oh, it's not. Cool. We're good. Right? Like, yeah, I think that's learning. <laughs> I think most people don't realize we're failing all the time. Absolutely. You're constantly failing. And that's how you learn, right? I mean, it's so cliche or, you know, people heard it before, but it's like this TikTok thing too, like, even for me in the beginning, it was judgment. 
yeah, it was a little like, oh, I want to do this. I want to, uh, what I first did in, in my TikTok was put out um, first random videos just to see, because I, I studied the algorithm yeah. and then uh, I wanted to do military too. So I added some military and then my military stuff started like uh, yeah. getting some. Yeah. So that's what I'm like, okay. So I guess that's what they want to see. I put it out, but even just starting that, I was like a little, you know, you're a little self-conscious. You, the judgment comes in. Like, what yeah. am I? F- I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell no friends. I didn't yeah. tell. I just told my wife, you know, I'm like, hey, I'm going to do this. And she's very introverted. Uh, so she's like, she gets a little anxiety. Me just saying that. Yeah. I'm like, you're not going to be on. <laughs> I'm not going to put you on into the internet. Right. <laughs> okay. All okay. right. You know, and I told her the plan. I, I said, you know, I'm going to tell stories. You know, I got to, I got to, I got to show them I, or whoever wants to hear it. Right. Yeah. So that's what I did. Uh, and I didn't tell any of my friends, but somehow it, it ex- kind of went viral and exploded to the point where people were like text messaging me. They're like, hey, yeah, is this you? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, I bro, saw you. bro, I found you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's so it pretty fun too at the same time. But it's so that judgment is like, oh, you know, a little almost embarrassing. Yeah. But once you get past that, it's so, you know, yeah. past that judgment, past that stuff that you're saying, the insecurities and, and just understanding like, it's a powerful position. Yeah. And that understanding too is that self-awareness, I guess, is, is so useful. And, and, and I know there's a lot of people trying to break out of it. You know, yeah. there's so many people that want to do, they see me, like my friends, they want, they're like, oh, Terry can do it. I can do it. But right. they won't, you right. know? And I know like some do want to do it. And I encourage them, like, yeah. forget about the noise, man. Just put some out. It's going to be awkward in the beginning. But after you do it, many times you just gotta keep doing it right it's that thing do it every day or whatever well yeah i mean like i i think about i think about my my journey through through all this and like i'm talking about mental health and when i grew up mental health was not a thing you know that you were there yeah yeah like we when we grew up like if you didn't feel good if you felt sad like nobody was like Sure. Oh, you might have depression. Have you ever thought about looking into that? No, they were like, get the fuck over it. Right. Yeah. Like that's what I was told in, in many yeah. circumstances. Right. Like you weren't allowed to have feelings because it was an inconvenience for people. Eat ice cream. You know? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Like that was the and, thing. Right. Like, and, and if, if my goal is to change that stigma, then of course I'm going to have to fight people that are going to judge me for what I say. And that's the point, right? Like in, in a sense, if you want to change how things are, you have to be ready for people who have not the ability to understand what can come. And so you you have to accept that judgment one is going to happen Two, it's going to suck. And three, like you have to create the perspective that that recognizes the limitations of how people look at life. And if you want to, if you want to change someone's mind, if you want to share things like no one is going to understand what you do, right? No one, like even me, like I don't understand how you do the things that you do. And I'm a creator, right? Like, because you have, you've created your own emotional processes. You've created your own um, perspective about how, what it means, what it takes to post, how often you post, why you post, when you post, right? Like you do you, I don't know that, but I'm probably one of the closest guys to understand what you've gone through. Yeah. 
but I could judge you. Yeah. And you could look at that and you like, you might take that personally because I'm a fellow creator, but at the same time, like, I hope you don't because what you do is so fundamentally you that it doesn't, it doesn't matter who else judges you. You're, you're changing, you're changing lives. And so am I, like, I, I try and help people understand very simply that even the most prolific and intelligent and profound people that you know are going to disappoint you mm. yeah it, it's that's life that's human that's life yeah. it's human nature right like we're gonna dis i'm gonna disappoint people at some yeah. point right i'm gonna, i'm probably gonna post something stupid or something like i'm whatever i'm gonna, I'm gonna disappoint you right yeah Can we and make that's mistakes okay. Mm -hmm. and that's okay like you and me probably disagree on something somewhere in our lives yeah, and you know what course. we're gonna do we're gonna be like cool i yeah. still like you right because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely i think it's uh, really up to that person receiving that so let's say people like we understand human nature we make mistakes or we do something stupid or whatever yeah or we offend somebody but it's really up to i think it, it, it's very individual i think if we have accountability of ourselves yes the world would be a lot better instead of either blaming somebody or hating somebody. It's like, okay, maybe he's just going, if somebody experienced like, Oh, somebody's had a really bad day and they're, you know, they're mad. They can't control their emotions. Right. And you know, it puts, they, they put that anger on somebody else, right? Like that person can either have many options, can either fight that person or be mad too and reflect the same energy back or, Try to understand, you know, it must yeah. be going something, you know, it's not me. He's not yeah. mad at me. He's mad though. And these brings, this can solve a lot more issues. I, I, instead of, I normally, back then I used to be more like, who are you yelling at? And, and, yeah. and reflect this, bounce the energy back. Right. Now I'm trying to be like, whoa, why is this yeah. happening? Uh, and that judgment, like before it was like, it's the same thing what you said, bringing back to judgment. It's like, and it's, if I back down, will I be looked at as like a pussy, you know? Right. Oh, it doesn't even matter anymore. Yeah. What, who cares about what people do the right thing, you know? Yeah. Um, one of the things though, you know, when I first did a trip, my first tribute ever was to my boy. Um, he's a Marine, uh, Tracy Maybe. Yeah. And I actually was hesitant, hesitant. I always wanted to do tribute. Like I, but I was very hesitant to do to talk about other people's stories especially like tracy's i i don't want people to think that i'm capitalizing on right. on this like you know what i'm talking about like i do i don't want like and so it's a very that was like the struggle that i went through right before i'm like i made it and i loved it i cried like i rolled out you know yeah. i was like people and i wanted to i didn't share it for a little bit i had it uh but i didn't share it because i I thought for one one of the one thing that really stopped me was I didn't want his family, if, if for some reason if they even saw it, to be pissed for some reason. Yeah, that's what went through my head. Yeah, absolutely. and I I did it. You know, I I I I wanted. I convinced myself. I was like, I want people to know this person, yeah. to, to know that this person exists. Because before I put that video, um. It has 4 million views now. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, so... It's a beautiful video. So, yeah. So, like, 4 million people got to see who he was. Who, yeah. he, you know? And 
I just had to convince myself. I didn't know that was gonna blow. I didn't know. Right. I just wanted to. I, I just wanted to, like whoever to whoever sees this to, hey, this person existed. Yeah. It was my. It was my best friend. It was like one of the best buds, you know, in the in the Marine Corps. And um, yeah, and it worked out. His his family actually is somehow the algorithm sent it to the family. Contact, you know, and they really they appreciated it. They, they, you know, they said that they all gathered in the living room or something like that, and and they watched it and they cried. And they 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 because I, I had videos of him, um, that they didn't never saw. Right. And I was like, oh man, I, I that gave me a really good a reassurance that I got to continue this. I got to continue, you know, I always wanted to tell. So before I even did that tribute, I got to like maybe like 70,000 followers. You know, I was growing yeah. with my, what I had was like whole, like um, my video. I, I, I document a lot of videos. I vlogged yeah. before vlogging was a thing, right. You know, uh, when I was in Iraq, so I had a lot of footage, a lot of co- like content and stories. So I just told like, even though it was bored, like it wasn't like action. I didn't get to, I wish I had like a GoPro that was attached that right. I can like, show firefights and stuff like that but during those times i you know the last thing on my mind was to pull out a camera right priorities right yeah <laughs> so i have a lot of footage of iraq though like you know a patrolling just us just rambling patrolling and like sto- and then i told stories of what went through my head and who these people were like the snipers this is one video i did with the snipers i loved them i like i'm like i look at them as like the the varsity like whoa the <laughs> snipers you know, so right. I, I told that story and I loved it. People loved it too. Um, I also wanted to use that moment, that the beginning of my TikTok, um, when I started TikTok, the beginning to introduce myself in a, in a way to validate myself to people yeah. uh, that I am a Marine, I am military. Uh, because when I did do, when I did start, when I started to do those uh, tributes of other uh, soldiers and, and military personnel, service members, comments were rough so you know yeah in the beginning in the beginning uh you know you had a lot of trolls and stuff like that but one one person what got me was um somebody was on my ass about stolen valor he's like who is this guy i remember writing who is this guy you know try, probably what i was thinking too like are you trying to get views telling off profiting off people's stories man that's not not what i'm trying to do you know really that's the last thing i'm trying to do i don't, I don't even try to take any take any money for this you know i'm like i'm trying to just be very clean like i just want to tell the stories that's yeah. it show these people exist so this guy i remember seeing him constantly on my ass and he's like still like and then it's just angrier and angrier it's like stolen valor i'm like yeah. what but luckily i had followers from the beginning who backed me up to yeah. and saw what i was actually doing and he's like why don't you go take a look at his um profile why don't you go you know look at his he's a combat veteran and then he stopped he stopped um and i didn't have to say a word so that's why you know another thing i learned is like i don't argue with these people these people are not mad at me they don't know me it's one of those things again they're just upset. they just don't know they're upset maybe something's going on with them to be that angry at somebody um but now my comments are clean like for some reason, it's very great. I, my comment section, I rarely have anything negative, like especially towards me. But you know, it's more mostly positive yeah. comments, which I love. That I love I it, too. and it shows a lot of pride. One one thing we talked about perspective before. 
you know, I put the age on there too, you know, especially, you know, they're I've always, you know, because especially for the ones that pass away, um, I get a lot of like 19 year olds commenting, which I, you know, they show like, they say like, you know, wow, I'm 19. Yeah. It shows a different perspective. And I'm glad I didn't know what perspective was when I was 19. Yeah. I was, just, I was, just, I was an idiot. You know, I was like, right. I'll join the ring. Bye, bye, bye. you know, likewise the younger generation like the 19 year olds now to see something like this and to to see what other 19 year olds did and have that perspective it's 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 great it's it's very like you know promising and yeah it's it's a good uh there's like there's light at the end of the tunnel absolutely (laughs) man it's madness that we're all in you know so there's there's a lot of benefits those comment sections are great a lot of pride uh it you have to, you have to see it as like a market too, right? You have to, yeah. you know, and you got to, the market needs to speak to, you need to listen to them because they speak to you. Right. If you just, you know, that's what I do. I, I'm, I'm, the more they love it, I'm like, okay, the more I'll give it, you know, of this. And I really appreciate, you know, uh, the people like, you know, it's just, it, right. they're not there for me. They're there for this, like the, the people who are, I'm just telling the story. I didn't make the story anything better. The story was great on its own. I, I'm just, I'm just serving it, you know, on a, on a maybe nicer plate. <laughs> That's it. It's a, it's a pretty nice damn plate. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. But my thing is too, when I do read these stories, I have like what I feel when I read the story, I try to it mimic shows. that same feeling. I try to like transfer that to whoever's viewing it. It shows like, you know, I try to do that whether it's with me, like the music and everything, like I, this is what I feel. Yeah. Sad. Right. And, or prideful, like, or very, right. um, some, some stories are very good. Yeah. You know, there's uplifting ones too. I, I try to mix it in because there's a lot of sad ones because a lot of sad stuff happened, but there were a lot of very brave moments too, where even they survived, like a lot of, you know, a lot of, uh, service members survive very heroic moments and i get i love those too because then i get to use like very energetic and very how i feel like man this is why i joined like these are who the people i i yeah we know you know and then it's there's happy times it's very great moments in in our in in, in our country and this people are awesome people are awesome yeah. it's the people it's crazy i i just love it you know like i there's so many things that you're saying that just so, so relatable. Like I, you know, I'm, I'm the same, right? Like I'm, I'm a creator just in a different niche and I'm, I'm doing my thing. And I'm, you know, I had a comment a while back, I think it was on Instagram, not, not TikTok, but same thing, right? Like, yeah, this guy, I was talking about my book and he's like, Oh, cool. You're profiting off your, your, your father's suicide. I'm like, bro, you don't even know, mm-hmm. you know, like I, and, and the, how I can tell sometimes when I know I have a healthy perspective on judgment is that when that happened, nothing faced me. When, when I looked at that comment, I was like, he doesn't get it. That was the fr- that was the first thing I said, like my wife was sitting right there and I'm like, he doesn't get it. And I showed her and she, he, she was mad. Like she was far more angry yeah. than I ever get at these comments, you know? And I, at this point I, it, I was at, it wasn't long ago. It was probably two or three months ago 
and you know, I had built up this perspective over creating, like I'm an introvert, right. I'm very introverted. And so like doing what I do, like, you know, I don't, I speak, like I speak to people. And so like being an introvert and speaking to people on an extroverted platform, it's very different for me when I first started. So like I had to, I had to build up a lot of courage to do what I do now. Um, and, and I feel remarkably comfortable in, in what I do. Um, but it took, took some time, you know, it took some time to figure out like, should I say something like that? Because I'm, I'm pushing into stigmas. And I, when, when I first started is when I really got the negative comments, I don't get many now. Um, you know, I get, I get a lot. I, it's kind of like you, like I have a very clean comment section. People appreciate my perspective. Um, when they question, it's usually like genuine. Like, I want to know your thoughts on this. Um, it's not that like political banter where it's just button heads at at each other. It's genuine understanding. Like I want to know how to get better. I want to know how to work through these things. Um, and I think that's a credit to our you know, just our dedication to who we are, right? Like we're, we want to understand people, but at the same time, like, we're not going to be assholes about it. Like we're, we set the boundaries that we need to set to be creators Mm -hmm. and respect what we are willing to give and what we're not willing to give. And, and both just, we're both just trying to tell stories, right? Yeah. Yours are stories of incredible human beings doing incredible things. Some, we've lost and some we haven't i'm trying to tell the stories of the people that are here and talk about my story and talk about the stories that show people a way forward and whether we profit off that is not the point right like we both have to live so at some point like i have to profit so that i can take care of my family and and, continue this and continue what i'm trying to like the more money i make the more I can put my message out, <laughs> right? Like exactly, that, exactly. that's how I look at it. It was like, mm-hmm. yes, I want to make more money because then I can make more of an impact in more yeah. people's lives and change the fucking stigma that nearly killed me. Yeah. And that's, that's simple, right? Like if you mm-hmm. make money off of this, great, because that's going to, you're going to have better cameras, better stories, better, whatever mm-hmm. you need to make, uh-huh. make the stories. So mm-hmm. I, I am, I have always been for like creators that are like in that mindset of like, I, I I don't want to profit off this because of judgment. And I'm like, profit so that you can do better and, and prove it to people. Like I love proving people wrong. Right. Like I, there was a, there was a long time ago. I can't remember when it was said, but it was something that stuck with me. And someone was like, you should go kill yourself. I think it was like back when I was a kid. Um, And that was like after my dad died. And I was like, Jeez. you know, it was a brutal thing to say to a kid. And, you know, I was, I was bullied in high school. So like, that was, I was too skinny and people were like, ass kids are kids are assholes. Yeah. And I love spiting people. And I remember holding on to that for a while. And mm-hmm. it was like, it was the thing for a while. Like it didn't last because I, you know, I would move on and find different things, but that was one of the things that, held me held me up was it healthy no but it worked right like i'm here and i i i want content creators like when people judge them be like yeah you're gonna profit off this off these people's deaths like yeah 
I am <laughs> so that I can show people who these people really were so that I can take those profits and put them back into what I'm doing yeah. and share and do better. And what are you doing? Right? Like mm-hmm. pu- push the question back on them. Not, not to judge them, but remind, remind, yeah. remind, remind you of them. your place. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's very true. Yeah. Um, damn it. You know, I was just thinking about uh, the Tracy maybe one. It's a good video. Yeah. So I, well, what happened with that? I mean, um, I was just watching it earlier today too, for some reason. I don't know why I stumbled on it. Uh, it said, uh, you know, he was crying. Like, so after, what happened was that we were on a night mission. We're coming back home, uh, back to base. Um, we're in a convoy. I think I had to pick up a Humvee. Like I was in the seven ton. It's one of these big trucks, right? Uh, I wasn't the driver. I was a vehicle commander. So it's just me and my driver. And we're making a U-turn on this very narrow road. Uh, it's just been cleared by uh, EOD. Like, you know, they, they, they deemed course. it safe. Yeah. And so, you know, we're just, make, we're just making a U-turn anyway. So there's two Humvees in front of us. They made it. It's such a small road that uh, you had to take turns to, to make the U-turn. And one Humvee went, which was Tracy's, Tracy's Humvee. And he passed me. He was a lead Humvee. And then another Humvee passed. And then our seven-ton truck, which also towing a, a, a broken Humvee, was making a U-turn. So we took a little while. You know, I'm like, riding hands at night. I'm like, we're good. All right. While, while, while there was a convoy behind us, like another couple of more Humvees, a few more Humvees behind us waiting for us to turn. Right. While they're waiting, uh, we're passing by one of the Humvees that was next in line to turn. I believe our, our seven ton, why, why the two Humvees passed that little road, that little patch that everyone drove on, mm-hmm. uh, they passed. But when we rode on it, we detonated uh, a pressure plate. Because I think we were too heavy, the seven ton, and that caused the daisy chain to go off. And all I remember was just like you know, being that was my first time being IED, so it was just boom, just like this pop noise, right? Right. Dirt, every, like everything went dark, like the, everything. And I, I remember my driver just screaming like "fuck, fuck," because he kind of understood what happened, and I, you know, SOP. Uh, standard operating procedure is to go 500 yards away from the kill zone. And, you know, he's just freaked, like, I want to say freaking out, but he was yelling. And I said, I said, drive, drive, you know, yelling at him. And he gas, he floors it. I just remember flooring it and it wasn't going, the engine's revving, but we weren't going anywhere. It's because the, the, the blast knocked the transmission into neutral. So we're just in neutral. And I saw it and I, and so I pressed, I pressed the, the, it's just a button on the seven ton to, yep. to shift. So I pressed it and we locked back into drive and we, we went out. I said, go, go, you know, go right here. It's about 500 yards, 500 meters, whatever. And um, we got out and it's, it's all fucked up. What happened was though, the Humvee that was next to us, the Humvee doesn't have, it's not built like the way seven ton is. Seven ton is higher off the ground, has metal plates underneath. The, seven, the Humvee is actually bare underneath it's just like a regular car if anything right and 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 that killed another marine you know it, it hurt him bad and you know 
one of the worst things I heard was like, you know, hearing Corman up, you know, and, and for army is so it is medic. Right. Yeah. But yeah, that just, that's the worst thing to hear over the hooks. And I was just like, fuck, man. Fuck. I knew that it was a Humvee right next to us. Yeah. That just clicked in my hand. I'm like, fuck. I just know. I didn't know how many. There was that, that was a full Humvee. I think it was, it, it was either, yeah, it was, it was four, one and a Turk on it. They all got the gunner, um, got peppered all over his legs, you know, shrapnel. Everyone got shrapnel, but the guy, the Marine Garcia, Garcia as chill, um, Lance Corporal Garcia as chill. He, um, he was sitting in the back behind the driver's seat, I believe. And that whole back just got ripped apart. So we call in the helo, you know, we call in medevac, uh, everything. And then we, we, we raced, we put him on the helo and we raced back to, cause we're going back to base and base wasn't that far. They're, they're still stable, you know? So we, we, we rushed, we, we rushed back to base. Um, talking, I'm, we're flooring it. Cause yeah. they, you know, they need to go to the hospital. Right. Uh, we're clearing the roads, you know, lights on everything. And we, we, we popped the, we popped the flare to signal the, the gate. We're not, you know, we're, we're coming, we're coming in hot, you know? Yeah. I just remember. And, and my seven ton, we had a pack, everybody was full. So my seven ton is like a little bench yep. in the cab. Right. Um, it's the driver, me, and then like, I believe like two more Marines that from the wounded two, three or three of them, just like, we're all just jam packed and quiet. We're just quiet yeah. going, you know, we're just quiet because what we just, you know, it's the longest. And I remember, like, yeah. And I remember looking at one of the Marines faces. He was just like, yeah, he wasn't blinking. I know he just saw something crazy. <laughs> ah, I know. It, he just i saw his face what i i know it you know man i'm just looking back at that and then we went back you know we we we, we put him in the hospital we and then we all went back to the mortar pool and the and went to the briefing room and in the debrief our sergeants you know he was saying you know crazy he, he didn't make it so it's just fucking tough uh and then everybody left it was me and, and uh, Tracy Mabin, the one who I did the video about, you know, I, I just remember he was, he was, he's a tough dude, you know, and, but that was, that was my first time seeing him. So in, in that position and I saw him cry for the first time too. And I was, you know, in the video, it says that, you know, he was crying and, and, you know, he thought that it was me because what happened was that after he passed, he, he set up his Humvee with security for us to, do you turn you know, around? Yeah. Yeah. So he, what he saw, what he told me, my truck, he was watching us. He's a turret gunner too. So he was watching us. He had few, full vision view of us. And he just saw my, my seven ton disappear in, 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 in the blast. Yeah. He was like, he's like, he was crying. What he said, he was like, this is not what I, you know, I remember exactly what he said. This is not what I wanted to see. It's not what I, you know, I did not want to see this shit. You know, I already saw death because I was out with the line company with the infantry. So mm -hmm. I saw a lot and I did a lot. He was with this convoy security group. Um, so he didn't get to see 
as much as what I saw out out there with the infantry. And this was the first time seeing this. I was already, this was like near the end of the deployment or yeah, near the, almost like a month or two left. And I understand, I, I realized I'm numb. I knew I was sad, but I was numb. Like I, I understood what was happening. Yeah. I was even more sad that he was sad. Yeah. That he was my, you know, one of my good friends, one of my best friends and see him hurt. And it made, that made me like, I'm like, damn. But, um, he, you know, and then he, and then while he was crying, he was like, he said, he said, like, what, what made me even more sad is like, he thought it was me that died. And I was like, you know, it's what a thing to say, you know, that's a very, like, you know, cause he was that like worried. Right. Cause we're, you know, we're thinking hey boys. to anybody. Yeah, to anybody listening, it's just friends. Think about your really close friend going to you know yeah. you're going you're going through this kind of shitty situation. It's the same thing. It's just like seeing somebody, one of your f- close friends, blow up. <laughs> yeah, literally blow up. Yeah. Yeah, and and I that perspective, I just understood it recently. Like you know, like later on, I didn't understand it then. There, I was sad though. That and then I I I appreciated it of who he was. That said, you know, because that kind of even made me feel, wow, what a good friend that he concerned it was his concerns was about, yeah. you know, he thought of that because my it, it did explode on I I was the right. my truck was the main um, bomb boom whatever, so, but what happened? So you know we made it. We, we we finished our deployment um we got out i i got out you know after and he he actually went on he's a very good basketball player he went on to play for the base team so i think his final year he told me was he was just i was like how's everything going it was like he was like man i'm just he's just playing ball for the for the marine corps basically and he got to go to hawaii he told me he like awesome. and all that stuff so i was like what a you know it's great what a great w- way to end your Marine Corps career because he was going to get out after his four. And he was such a good Marine too. He was a very good uh, Marine. Uh, everyone loved him. He never talked back. Always did what he had, you know, very reliable uh, and a fighter. So, you know, he, he got to finish off his career playing basketball, which he loved. You know, he was very good at it. And then um, I think it was like maybe a year out after he, he, he got out, he, uh, he got in the car. Like he wasn't one driving. They went to like the Rocky mountains and on the way back home. Um, the driver fell asleep and, and head on collision with, the with, a, with, a, with, a, with a tractor, with a truck, with another truck, I believe. And then, you know, they, they said, uh, you know, they died instantly, the, the two front. And I believe the, the, the passenger in the back was, uh, uh, like critical condition or something like that but uh yeah so you know they said that maybe tracy you know he did die he didn't suffer yeah. which is a good thing so he's in you know he was asleep i'm guessing you know he was asleep in the in the in the front and then which the driver fell asleep too so, so yeah, we have i have a lot more marines die after combat and it's a lot to do with suicide too. Not just like free. I, I mean, my first, my sergeant, after I came back from Japan, my sergeant that was with me and I knew 
such a cool dude. He, yeah, we after on leave, he went to the lake, and he went jet skiing. Must have hit a wave, knocked him out his chest, and they found him drowned. You know, he already had, two, uh, I believe, two deployments where you know he had a combat deployment to Iraq. Um, ex- you know, survived that. We survived these crazy moments <laughs> in the military. We get out, and that madness kind of follows us. Yeah, it catches up, right? So I always felt like after getting out first of all i felt like i was gonna die i i I was before going to iraq i made peace with myself i might die it's a huge chance you know and again the the marine corps isn't they don't sugarcoat that right they tell you before hey not everybody's gonna come i mean it's the truth there's no way to you're going to war yeah (laughs) there's no there's no way to make this nice Bullets you don't know, give a fuck. Yeah. Um, and so I, I it took me a while, like not a while, but to convince myself, like, all right, I'm gonna have to do what I'm gonna do, you know, we're gonna go. Um, because I knew I which one thing I appreciated myself for is that I knew I cannot go there and perform scared. Right. And the only thing that I knew was scary me is death. So I had to be like trick myself. Or convince myself that okay, it's okay to die. And I loved what the Marine Corps says: is that Marine Marines go to uh, when you die, Marines don't die. We go to heaven. Uh, we you know we guard the we guard we go guard the gates of hell, heaven. And really, you know, I can you have to you have to before going into like if you're a football player, you have, or any sports, you have to psych yourself out yep. to get to that position. That's what I did, and 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 that stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially after knowing, after getting out, I, I, I continued to think that I was going to die. So my relationship with death wasn't healthy, <laughs> but it was at least a relationship yeah. uh, that many people don't even have. And, and, and I, that's what I worked on. Death is a part of life. Yeah. I think we're avoiding that. We're, a lot of people are avoiding death like, as if they can avoid it. Absolutely. Yeah, you can eat. I mean, eating healthy and all that stuff is great. Good. Uh, but there, there's a lot of people that do it because they're f- fucking scared. Yeah. <laughs> but rightfully so. Absolutely. Right? 100% I understand why. But also, it can cause you to do crazy things, you know? Uh, and you live in fear. Mm-hmm. You know? And, you, you know and, then, and then if you live in fear, then you can't live life. Mm-hmm. So that's why I understood, like, early, I mean... A few years after I got out, when I was in California and going to college, I kind of try to understand more about life and and death, and that you know those things helped me build like to get to a more clearer mind. But during that time, don't get me wrong, I was struggling and suffering with with with. I I, I never knew I had PTSD. I, I thought everything was fine. Yeah. You know, everybody around me when after I came back from Iraq, especially my sister, my grandma. She would tell me, they go to tell me to go to church because they saw maybe something different in me. Yeah. I know my sister told me, she said, you know, you should go to church specifically because right. she said, you know, you don't seem the same. And what a thing to say, because my sister, you know, she's never, she's, she, I love her. You know, she's such an angel. So for her to say that, it's like, you know, I just kind of, I'm like, nah, you know, and then other people said the same thing. So, but to me, I, you know, self-awareness, yeah. you don't know 
if you don't have self-awareness, you don't know right. how other people are perspective. Like I didn't even know perspectives and stuff like that. Like I said, right. I wasn't even considering that. I, I think it's so hard, you know, and I, I, I look back at my, my first appointment. Um, cause it's, you know, your first appointment is really the one where you're like, you come home and you don't really know how to come home. And when, when you go through that experience, especially the stuff that we've seen, you, you come home, not wanting to be home. And mm-hmm. so when people tell you like, you're, you're different, you don't care because, you know, for, for me, like, I, I, and you know, you tell me if you felt the same way, but like, for me, like when I came home, I just really didn't care if I died. I didn't care yeah. if people, same here. If, if people had any thoughts about me, I didn't give a fuck. Right. Like I was in a place where I was in a sense, I was selfish. Um, because well, I, I was, I wasn't out of the military, but national guard's different, right? Like you're, you're out in the world, right? Like when I went to drill, I was at drill, right? Like I was selfless, but when I was at home, like I I just didn't care what people thought about me. So I made decisions that hurt people, you know, and, and just didn't, didn't care what the, the consequences of them were because one, I had just saw, I just saw like so many things that were just terrifying and what's, what's the point in trying if that's what I have to live with for the rest of my life. Um, And, and when I, when I look back on this, my second point, which was 2019, my first one was 2012, um, 2019, I was very well prepared for that. You know, I not, nothing happened uh, in front of me that, you know, that really put me in a place where I was like struggling. Um, so it's quite a simple deployment, straightforward. I, I was in danger. There were certainly, there was a couple times where like, in a split second, I would have shot a dude in the face that was, you know, from me to the computer yeah. screen away. Like that's, that's how there was in situations where I was so intense looking at this man thinking he was going to shoot me. Uh. Like I was thinking through, you know, I was thinking through situations where I was going to like, I'm going to grab his gun first, right? Like, like I'm, uh-huh. I'm thinking yeah. about how, how can I protect Defend. the people around me while killing him? And, and not dying because at, at the time when I deployed in 2019, I had just, mar- I just married my wife and I'm like, I got a lot to live for, yeah. you know, but at the same time, I'm like, it's the same thing. Like, I don't, I can't go there scared. Right. Because one, I'm a leader. And two, like, if I think about her and only her and my son, who am I going to fail? right? Mm-hmm. Who am I going to fail in front of me? Right. Like I, I don't want to allow my, my sense of self, you know, selfishness to, to come and, you know, put me in a place where I'm going to regret living kind of thing. And it's, it's a hard, that's such a hard thing for a 31 year old to do, let alone an 18 year old. Yeah. And to look at that situation and recognize like when those situations happen, it was all training, right? Like mm-hmm. all that overthinking that I did, to think about like, how am I going to react? You know, like, how am I going to justify doing, you know, what the right thing is, is like putting myself in, in the line of fire if I have to, because I know that's right. If I see it, like all of that was useless because I had trained so well 
that when it came down to it, I was ready to grab this dude's AK and put around his, in his skull mm-hmm. to make sure that other people were not hurt. Yeah. Like, I was willing to take that rifle and put it in my chest if I had to mm-hmm. and make sure that other people, it was just like, it was just a natural response for me. And I'm yeah. thankful that that never happened. I'm thankful yeah. that like this guy recognized like, I, cause I, you know, I'm a pretty towering figure when I'm in uniform and in, and in kit, I'm six foot four, right? You put a helmet on me and boots on me. I'm like six, six. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I'm a big dude. And, and this target. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> Afghan is just sitting in front of me. Like, you know, it, it was one of those moments where I'm like, what's going on, man. And you know, this, this dude is not thinking clearly, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's, he's not in a good place. Um, and he just didn't look at me. He's looking at everybody else, but me, the guy that's literally right in front of him talking to him. And it's just like all of the signals that you get in a situation where they're like, this guy wants to fight. I got those. And that in that situation, like you, you like thinking through that situation, like I look back on it and I'm like, I did the right thing luckily. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I stood in front of him and I made sure he knew that like, if he's going to try something, he's going to die. You may take someone with you, but you're going to die. Yeah. And I, and I, everything about my body language was, was informing him of that, of, yeah. of that. Yeah. Your plans and, aren't going to work out. Yeah. And, and to think about that, the responsibility of, you know, like that's just an experience that I had overseas in one deployment. Right. But the, the responsibility that that puts on a person that mm-hmm. I had at that point, I had 12 years in the infantry to know how to handle that situation. Right. And, and, and numerous years of those were firearms instructor and concealed carry instructor. So I had like all of this background. Mm-hmm. You're ready. But think about an 18 year old put in a situation like that. Yeah. And, and, and they go through that a lot. I mean, a lot of, and every day it's the, they're very mature. That's what I saw when I was with, you know, with the infantry too. And I looked at them and, you know, they're either younger than me or, or about the same age. I was like 22, 21 and 19 year olds. And very, I forget, I forgot that we were kids, <laughs> you know, we we're so young. I look back, I'm like, damn, we're just kids yeah. with guns, yeah, you know, and grenades and, you know, all that cool stuff. But with the maturity and the responsibility that you, you grew up fast, yeah, grow up real quick. And, and I think that's like, you know, cause you don't have to think about death when, if you're not in that situation, if you're not in the military, you don't necessarily have to think about death. Yeah. Um, that's something you think about later on in your life, you know, maybe in your midlife, at least mm-hmm. like after thirties, right. You think about like, yeah. uh, man dying. Right. Um, yeah. but that can it came so early, early on for us. Um, I think it, it brings us to another maturity level of understanding life better absolutely um, so yeah man um i was gonna say it's a hell of a thing that's yeah. what i'll say well it's crazy terry th- yeah i want to i want to we can close this up we can wrap this up I, I we've talked a lot about a lot of awesome stuff and this has been incredible and i don't want to take up all your all your evening so I'm going to ask you one final question and we can always come back and, and talk about all this stuff again. I'd love to have you on, especially yeah, as, definitely. You, 
as you grow and, and do the many good things that you're going to do. Here's my question. If there was a message that you could leave the world, what would it be? try to understand just try to understand try use that brain we, we're so quick to just assume or, or or judge like without trying to use our brains we forget that our brains are muscle it's not like a you know it's just this mushy thing it's, it's actual muscle <laughs> that if you keep using it, it it gets tired too like just like if it has many curls or whatever it, it gets strenuous <laughs> same thing if you keep thinking that's why you know a lot of you know, CEOs and stuff, they try not to make decisions, right? Because that, that, that could uh, wear them out because they have to make bigger decisions later uh, throughout the day. So they, that's why a lot of people wear the same clothes. I wear the same clothes. That's one thing I have to let's think about yep. that my brain. Um, so one thing is to try to understand other people before, like, even though they're wrong, I, you know, just try to, I think that was, that from there will make yourself feel better or understand you'll understand yourself too. Um, it's just, it, it'll, it'll definitely, it'll, it'll, I think it will make the world a better place trying to understand each other. Absolutely. Just trying to understand. It. It, it takes, it takes a lot though. It's, it takes a lot of patience. It sure does. A lot of, you know, one thing I did want to ask you though. Um, yeah, go for it. That's what I was going to ask. That's what I was going to say before, before I forgot. Um, you know, well, for me, with, with what's happening in Afghanistan, it hit me hard. Yeah. The way everything just played out. The way, man, what hit me really hard though was after the 13 service members uh, died, it broke me. Like, I just, yeah. just didn't even want to like post. I didn't even want to, didn't want to do anything. Like, I just fell into depression. I kind of like, you know, um, whatever, like, I know, especially because you know you 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 deployed to Afghanistan. What's what's your you know perspective on on how you, how, what you, you know what's going through your mind? Well, I was I was in I was in the thick of it uh, in sniper school when that happened. So I was oh. I was in a place where you know in a, in many senses of the word you had to mask those emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I made a video about it and. Nobody, nobody around me really saw that I was allowing myself to feel because like I, I was crying, you know, like when, when I finished that video, I kind of broke down a little bit and I kind of like just hid not, not out of shame. It's just like, I don't want to talk about yeah. this stuff right I now. Get it. Uh-huh. Um, and, and then I got COVID. So just to, to bring everybody else up to speak, Terry already knows this, but I got COVID halfway through sniper school. Um, and then I got diagnosed right after phase one. So I had to, I had to end sniper school halfway through and then I got quarantined for 10 days. Now I, I'm going to reveal some personal things that I've been going through. I haven't really talked about yet, but, um, in those 10 days, I was dealing with that whole Afghanistan situation, kind of thinking through all of that stuff. And then I lost my grandpa. So I was told literally the day that I came back from the hospital to start quarantine that my grandpa was declining. Mm-hmm. Um, and six days later, he, he ended up passing. Um, and then four days after that, I was able to go home. So it was like, 
it was a really tough situation all around. And I like, just like you, I went into, yeah. I was in depression, right? Like yeah. I was, I was in a very short term um, depression in, yeah. in Arkansas where I was like, I was alone. I was mm. getting fed like shit because nobody prepares for that. Like, Oh, somebody has COVID like you have to quarantine them now. And like, nobody knows how to feed a soldier like that. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know you could get DoorDash. So that, that was kind of a pain in the ass until like, <laughs> like the, the second to last day I got DoorDash, got like 50 wings for Buffalo Wild Wings. I'm like, I'm abusing this now. So, <laughs> so I'm sitting in, I'm sitting in my room and I'm looking at all of this. I'm looking at this whole situation and mm-hmm. so many people are trying to make it political. So many people are trying yeah. to look at like this person failed, this person failed, this person failed. You know, we shouldn't have been there in the first place. We shouldn't have done this. And I'm where I am. Yeah. Two deployments to Afghanistan, two years of my life spent in this country. And I met a lot of people that looked at me and said, I'm happy you guys are here. A lot of Afghans, right? Not all of them. And I would suspect that not all of them wanted us there, right? Obviously. Of course. But there were people there that said, because of you, my family has freedoms that they wouldn't have had with the Taliban. And I- Of course. And I see that, like, I have a perspective of that. And I, I don't look at my time in Afghanistan as being a waste. I refuse to, right? Like nothing I have ever done has been a waste. Right. And I, and keep in mind, this comes from a person that has the, has the, has put a gun to my head, right? I have put a gun to my head and I do not look at that as a waste. Mm -hmm. Right. So my perspective is very much, is very much not about creating problems it's about finding solutions. It's about looking at what I have done and what the nation has done, right? Like certainly we did, we did wrong things, right? And I don't know, I don't know the full scope of everything that we did wrong in Iraq and Afghanistan, but Mm -hmm. what I know for a fact is that there were people that I met in Afghanistan that said, this was worth it. Yeah. And I look at that. I'm not going to look at Biden or Trump or Obama or Bush and all the bullshit that people want to put out in the media. I'm not going to look at that, sh- that shit that if, if you want to look at your diet, look at how you consume social media, mm. because if your consumption makes you stress, it's no different than eating sugar all, all day, every day. All right. You're, you're, you're creating an environment within your body that is negative within your mind. That's negative. Yeah. I, I don't, I just don't consume that stuff. And so I don't, I don't get locked into this battle of trying to justify what I did overseas, right? It's not my job to justify what mm-hmm. I did overseas, yeah. right? It's a politician's. And if they got it wrong, it happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I know what I saw. And I know, what I'm, I know the people that I met that looked at me and said, thank you. Yeah. And, and in some ways, I think I've had more genuine thank yous from Afghans than I have from some Americans. Because they just don't, they don't realize what it means to defend people that are literally being killed and assassinated and murdered at night. Yeah. Like I was in Kabul and every single night it was like, yep, this, this, this Afghan police commander got assassinated last night. Um, Checkpoint six got, you know, bombed last night. Like you don't know. And when people look at it and say like, 
you guys, you know, it was all worth nothing. Bullshit. We gave, mm. we've gave, we gave Afghans 20 years of relative peace. Yeah. Sure. We were fighting in their country against people that would, you know, if you, if you didn't do any research on the Taliban, you wouldn't understand that, you know, just a couple years prior, they were putting people in Connex boxes and locking them in there and letting them roast to death. Right. Mm -hmm. I did my research. I looked at what the Taliban was from people from, from Afghans who wrote books about them. Right. Um, from many different perspectives. And I knew what I was getting myself into. Right. And I, and I knew that when I got there, I was going to talk to people and realize and recognize what was happening. And were we always fighting perfectly? No, it's a fucking war. Yeah. Right. There's issues there. There's always going to be mm-hmm. issues there. And it's not, it's not always going to look clean. It's yeah. not always going to look comfortable. We're all, we, yes, we, we, there was collateral damage and we hurt people. And that's an unfortunate circumstance of war and people paid with their lives. And, and yet those people didn't have to die in a Connex box because the Taliban said, you can't do what you want to do. You know, like it's, it's nothing about it is good. Nothing about it is comfortable, but I know that like we gave millions of Afghans, like a sense of freedom that they never had for sure. And I think they'll remember that, you know, it shows how many, you know, just how many people were trying to flee. It shows that like, Whoa, you guys are leaving. (laughs) You guys were the, the, one of the, the support, like a leg on the table. That's how I look at it. You know, we were, we were as if like a, a table that fell, like now we were, we right. set ourselves as one of the legs and now we're taking that leg out again. And people saw that and they're like, we, man, we need you here. And I, and I, yeah, it's the military, you know, I, I love, I love our military. I mean, the, the, it's, a, it's the American, the military is made up of Americans, mm-hmm. <laughs> of the people, of our friends, our family, our neighbors, our, you know, our moms and dads, our cousins and sisters and brothers. We forget that, I think, you know, and we turn our, turn our back, either our back or we like, shame them i don't know or you know because not everybody have the same view as as us it's a narrative it is definitely a narrative narrative. when when a narrative comes out in in the spotlight Mm -hmm. people people don't like your advice is so relative you know uh i'm sorry uh relevant in this right Mm -hmm. try to understand yeah it's what people don't do yeah, it's right. quick. We're just quick, emotional. People, we are, we're emotional people. People didn't try to understand what happened in Afghanistan in August. Yeah. They didn't. They they tried to blame, and unfortunately, oh, yeah, yeah. that's just such a cultural thing for us now. You know, it, it's it's become. I think it's become far worse with social media, and that's kind of one of the things that I try and speak out against, and and just try and help people understand that you don't understand, right? Like the self-awareness thing that you talked about, like Mm -hmm. one of the most important fundamental laws of self-awareness is you don't know what you don't know. I say that all the time. Well, you don't know, you don't know. And that's up, you know, and you can't know everything that you, you don't know. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, when I, when I look at things like Afghanistan, like it was bigger than, 
anyone is bigger than everyone but i know i know the influence of of many things and like when you when you show people a sense of and a taste of freedom it has long lasting effects and yeah. and in in a sense like you can look at how the taliban functions now compared to how it functions you know 20 25 years ago they actually came to the table right like now they're actually sure they're still fucking assholes right like yeah. i that probably isn't hasn't changed that much but they came to peace talks yeah just different yeah so what, what i was you know i was talking to my psychiatrist about this actually um well first thing too we you know my, my first psychiatrist i ever spoke to when i was in the marine corps because i was sent there um she was telling me you know marines and and i think it goes for a lot of uh, pretty much every military per- personnel service member uh we have a hero uh complex i guess i don't want to say complex. i don't she didn't say it like that but she said you know we we find our we have like this position that we need to be very heroic or not to be heroic but we have that is in our dna or something like we just yeah. tend to it's we, culture we, yeah it's our, like it's a habit yeah. <laughs> almost yeah right absolutely not a bad habit but it's just a, it's just something we tend to go lean towards is to either sacrifice we're willing to sacrifice yep. um but yeah i just wanted to mention that because you said that about um about that before but um yeah so yeah i forgot what i was gonna say but, but my, my psychiatrist yeah so i was talking with my psychiatrist about afghanistan um the taliban isn't was never it's not like they were culturally there right yeah they're, they're the mujahideen and and you know the taliban they were always culturally there they never went out to like you know al-qaeda is different too i mean al-qaeda is actually they go out and try to terrorize like you know 9-11 and all that stuff right they do they actually deliberately try to change um from what i my understanding correct me if i'm wrong the taliban itself was always just a cultural like let's say a gang or whatever you know yeah or that was always embedded there right in the 90s um so like right after, I should say, I should start kind of earlier and then in the eighties when mm-hmm. Russia invaded and, and dominated, right. Like the Afghan space, mm-hmm. um, in the aftermath of the, the void that was created after the Russians left, it became a warlord, uh, a warlordism is what they kind yeah. of refer to it. So what you, what you find is like the Northern Alliance was created, you know, where, where they were, they had their own kind of sect. Um, you, what you saw was the Taliban, you know, everyone kind of claimed their own areas. It became very tribal, but then all of a sudden, I think it was 94, 95, um, the Taliban just kind of rose out of the ashes of this, of, you know, like Kandahar and, and Helmand and yeah. just swept through the country. You know, the Northern Alliance held its ground. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's the Taliban just kind of overtook and it's all like the taliban has always kind of been a thing in kandahar and Helmand, right they, that's why they they've always kind of wanted to create pashtunistan mm. um is uh is kind of what what has been from what from my research is what has been kind of a historical kind of a country itself right because 
uh, the Pashtu language down in Helmand and Kandahar kind of connected people. That's why, that's why Kandahar and Helmand were some of the fiercest fighting mm-hmm. was there is because that's such, mm-hmm. such an intricacy of the, of the society was the Taliban way of life. And the rest of the country didn't always feel that way. Um, and what you found is like a lot of the fighting kind of persisted along the border states where they would, you know, the Taliban would settle into, um, Peshawar and like Pakistan mm-hmm. because they would enter and attack the United States from Pakistan because we couldn't technically yeah. attack them in, in Pakistan. Exactly. So it, it, it's, it's kind of a, it's cultural in some parts of the country. It's not culture in all parts of the country, mm-hmm. right? Kabul, Kabul is very open, right? Okay. Um, the Eastern, the Eastern border where I was my first deployment in, in Kunar, um, I just don't think they care, right? Like they just want to be left alone, right? Like Korangal, um, cause I was, I was pretty close to Korangal, um, the Pesh Valley, the Kunar river Valley, like getting up into there, like Nang- Nangahar and Kunar, um, Logman, all of those provinces, like people just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. Like if, and they're dirt poor. So like, yeah, if, if you pay them five bucks, they'll walk up on a mountain and shoot you with an AK. Right. And mm-hmm. then they'll put it down. They'll go get their five bucks or the Taliban will just, you know, grab a family member, say, go shoot the Americans or we'll kill your family member. Mm-hmm. And that like, yeah. What do you do? Right. Like yeah. clearly you're going to fucking go shoot us. Yeah. And so, and so like, there's so much cultural differences within Afghanistan that, <clears throat> I think we were playing, we were trying to do things that, that we weren't really, the country wasn't prepared for, you know, that's, that's just an opinion. And there's, there's not a ton of research behind it. It's just an opinion. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's the Taliban itself has changed. I mean, that's the biggest point that we can make here is that from 1993, 94, 95, when they rose, they have very much changed as an organization and, um, yeah, their level of violence is very different, right? They're not ISIS. I don't exactly. They, they used to be like ISIS in in a sense when they created. Um, yeah, that's what know, I was the, trying to get at. Where where Taliban is actually is not like ISIS, Al Qaeda, Al Qaeda. Um, they they're just within Afghanistan. Like it's their home, and they just have this way of culture. Right. Uh, they don't they yeah. don't want to be a terrorist organization. They just want to control exactly. the territory. Exactly. Um, yeah. But Al Qaeda, when I was in Iraq too, like the reason they, they, uh, Al Qaeda in, in Iraq, they took, they, they were the ones that we were fighting in 2007. Mm-hmm. But what happened is that before that, the people of Iraq was siding with Al Qaeda, right? They were teamed up with Al Qaeda until Al Qaeda um, themselves turned their back. Pretty much, they're very extreme. They're extremists, right? So they were cut off the lips of, uh, you know, Iraqis or other Muslims yeah. smoking cigarettes because they believe they're extremists. Like you're not supposed to smoke cigarettes. So that's what the people were telling us, and they kind of knew, like, oh man, these guys are the bad guys, and, you know. And that's how a lot. Right. That's what a lot of people told us, like yeah. civilians, Iraqi civilians, you know. So I, I would see is like that's the cultural difference. They don't, the, the Al Qaeda will 
go out of their way to change people and 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 enforce their beliefs on them. I think Taliban. I'm not trying to, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to make right. Taliban look anywhere good or anything like that. Right. right. Um, they teamed up with Al Qaeda too. I know that um, when the, when Al Qaeda was in, in in Afghanistan, I don't know exactly what happened to Al Qaeda in Afghanistan, but um, I know like Taliban pretty much continued to fight because we weren't there for Taliban. Right. It just <laughs> that's the thing. That's what I was trying to get at too. We weren't we didn't go into Afghanistan to fight the Taliban. They were just they're already there. Right. We went there to uh, get to Al Qaeda. Right. And I think most of most of Al Qaeda moved to um Pakistan. A lot of them moved to mm. Pakistan. And that's why it became such a I and I don't know. I don't I don't I didn't really study the beginning of the war as much, but from what I remember, I think a lot of the protractedness of the war is because of that Al-Qaeda move to Pakistan and then the Taliban more or less just supporting, never never denouncing Al-Qaeda. Um, yeah. So it was yeah. always kind of like a get out of our country. Like we don't yeah. care about You leave Al-Qaeda. too. Yeah. Basically. Like everybody right? leaves, right? Yeah. But well, someone went to Pakistan. They should have just told us. Hey, right. someone... <laughs> yeah. or maybe we and, knew. I don't know. And I, and I don't know. Like it, that's that's not really something that i studied all that much yeah. but yeah i mean the the biggest thing is like we don't know yeah we don't know we'll find oh, out shit, in, mm-hmm. we'll find out in 50 years when everything's declassified but till then make your bets right yeah <laughs> <laughs> i just i i choose not to waste my time with shit that i don't know that's just true right i, I either find out i figure it out or you know what? I can't control anything in Afghanistan, yeah. so no, I got to move forward. No, no need to no need to stress or 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 be angry about something that. First of all, we don't know anything about, right? And also, we out of our control. Yeah. You know? I think I think the two most important resources in human life are time and energy, and where you like spend that. those two things. That's true. Tells you a lot about what your problems are yeah okay that makes sense (laughs) (laughs) i like that yep and it's just the reality right like if you're gonna if you're gonna stress about things you can't control you can probably pinpoint where your problems are coming from Mm -hmm. and yeah i i look at a lot of americans today it's like we technically uh, we have it so good at some point i put to a point that we, we we have to create problems yeah you know what I mean? And you see that, right? I mean, we, we're, 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 I mean, I'm always about, you know, getting what you want, you know, but there's also time to step back and see like, man, yeah, it's not man, really I'm, a problem. I'm cre- yeah. It's not really a problem. I'm creating more problems. Yeah. And I, yeah, you got a good, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, you know, after, after many years, uh, like like truly happy, yeah. You know where it's not like forced or anything like that. It's like understanding what emotions are. You know, these understanding it's just it's understanding everything. It's just like oh oh that's how it works. Right. It's like kind of kind of, but you gotta apply. You can't just like learn it and then because we all know, you know, a lot of people know how things work, but they just forget and then they kind of go. You gotta keep applying that right. thing every day almost. Yeah. To get it really installed in you. Yeah. That's what I've been doing with a lot of meditating and stuff like that. So helps a lot with, you know, PTSD and depression and all that Absolutely. negative, all the negative. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's one of the people that I really kind of look up to is, is a psychiatrist um, named Bessel van der Kolk. And he wrote a book that always stays on my desk because I recommend it to more people than I can remember. Um, The body keeps the score. That's cool. And one of the biggest things that he talks about, he's been helping people overcome trauma for the last 15 years. He's been, he's a renowned expert on trauma. Um, is reconnecting with the body because what trauma really does is it, it creates a disconnection with your body because it has to, right. Especially when it's unprocessed trauma, right? So when you go through an IED blast, the first thing your body does when it becomes hyper overwhelmed, um, is it says your amygdala, right. Does this for you. It says, we're not going to allow you to think and control your body with logic right? So it cuts off the connection in neocortex, which is your logic. And it says, the amygdala, I'm in charge. And it, it presents blood flow to all the extremities that matter, right? Your, your, your gross motor skills, right? Like, and, and it makes you faster, stronger, more, more able to physically defend yourself. Mm-hmm. But we live in a world where physically defending yourself doesn't function, hmm. right? Because we're, we're in a society, right? So the ideal way of dealing with your problems would be to discuss and work through them. But when you get overwhelmed, right? When you become traumatized, and this is, this is why PTSD is so prevalent in people is because it's unprocessed trauma. Hmm. Because when you go through trauma and you're not allowed to process it, what happens? What happens is that anything that presents itself because the body catalogs memories, Mm. right? And it catalogs emotions and and feelings is that anything that looks like that trauma that is cataloged within your body, not your mind, your body, right? So it can be temperature. It can be um, a sound. It can be a smell. It can be a taste. It can be a sight, right? If that's cataloged, your body recognizes that you are in danger. And when you see that yellow car, when you're driving down the road, because you've gotten an accident with a yellow car and you go into hypervigilance mode and PTSD, you're going back into that trauma, but you're not processing it. Hmm. And you're living in a world where you are safe, but your body's telling you, you aren't. And you know, the biggest problem for me is that we can't process things because we don't know how to talk about them. And that's what I talk about. That's what, that's what my message is, is that this idea of mental health is so taboo and so foreign Mm -hmm. that we've created this sense of shame and guilt for being a burden or being a problem or talking about our problems because everyone should be selfless and not talk about problems because they're inconvenient. And my thought is that's wrong Mm -hmm. because if we dealt with the problems up front, right away without judgment and, and with some kind of empathy and understanding of why these problems persist, mm-hmm. we would solve these problems like that. When we yeah. become a community and we start treating our software, right? Our mind and how our mind works like it, like it's, it's built in tribal times when we had to mm-hmm. go outside and not live in heated and air conditioned homes, right? When we had to fend for ourselves, Mm-hmm. When we start understanding that, 
we are able to reconnect with our body and allow our bodies to feel safe while also creating the justification and the um, understanding, right? Like try to understand like the understanding between each other to help each other through these things, right? Like veterans are very simple, right? Like we, we live with unprocessed trauma. We live with unprocessed grief. We live with unprocessed, you know, responsibilities that really are, are unnatural for our software and our normal culture. And then we come home to a completely different culture and a completely different way of life where nobody knows and nobody understands and nobody can recommend any possible solutions to our problems. Yeah. And the problem is we can't talk about it. Mm. Yeah. And it's not just veterans, you know, it's, it's everybody, but everybody. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) The emotions. (laughs) Yeah. I, yeah, I always try to, you know, what thing that I've been recently trying to do is really try to understand, try to separate to um, my like thinking and emotions, Yeah, because they're two, two different things, but Fair together they could, you know, if you don't, you, you're doing crazy things if you're not, because you could think one thing thoughtfully and, and, and make sense, but then your emotions will make it do something else, go, go the other way. I was, I was talking to I, I had a consultation the other day and he was talking to me about this, these different things I was going through. And one of the things I, I talked to him about, and one of the things I said to him was never let your feelings determine your momentum. Mm. Because when you do, right, like your feelings are going to lie to you, especially if you've been through trauma, because your feelings mm. are going to say, I'm in danger. Yeah. The reality is you're not. Mm-hmm. And so when you're trying to, you know, achieve something, when you're trying to succeed in something, right? The feelings of failure, the feelings of self-doubt, the feelings of doing it wrong are always going to be present. Even I, like I'm, I'm, I feel like one of the strongest people mentally that I've ever met. Right. And, and I've done the work to get myself there. I still doubt myself, but then instantly I remember that, like what I say to myself, like, you know, I, I practice following my own advice. Otherwise, like, I'm not really I'm not really yeah. giving good advice, right? Like I have to exactly. test my own advice. So, you know, I recognize those feelings. I look at them. Nope. I got to do it. Right. And I'm, if I, if it's wrong and my feelings told me they were wrong, whatever, but I want to make sure, and I want to test it, right? Like I, I think of things so experimentally yeah. that like when I, when I'm not sure about things, I actively search for the failure so that I can, I can recognize you know, that's, that's exactly what I don't want to do. But then I also look at that failure. And if it was exactly what I don't want to do, and I say, I question myself and I say, well, maybe in a different situation that might work. And it's a constant game of how can I fail in a way that teaches me more about trying, you know? It's true. I like that. Because. <laughs> If, if you get caught in that, you know, I failed, I can't try that again. Yeah, you won't do it. I mean, that's, that's why, you know, we, I, you know, that's the first thing we discussed, actually, right? Yeah. <laughs> Earlier, the failing, right? You have to fail. It's okay. And, it's and, okay. And failing at seven is completely different as fa- at failing at 20 or, or mm-hmm. 31 or 50 or 60, right? 
like I, I would, if I had the ability to speak to every young person, what, like whether they're, I don't care how old they are, I would literally teach them to fail. Mm. Go fail, go fuck up. Yeah. Try it. Yeah. Go tell your parents, you don't want to be what they want you to be. Because when you are able to fail, when you are, when you are openly like my son nowadays, I, I applaud him when he fucking tries something and fails like, Mm -hmm. good. What'd you learn? Right? Like I, I want to reward him for trying to fail. I want to reward him for succeeding. I want to reward him for trying. I want to reward him for whatever the fuck he wants to do. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm sitting here trying to tell him who he's got to be, well, guess what? He's not going to be me. I'm a stepdad, first of all. So he's definitely not going to be anything like me. He's going to be, he's going to be like someone else. But if I tell him who he's got to be, he's never going to look at how he should be for himself. Like it's one of the biggest things that I have problems with these days is parenting because parents like to determine the lives of their children because they think they have the right to. And I don't think they have to, I don't think they fucking do. Yeah. Like I, like when I'm as a father, I don't have a right to tell my son who he's gotta be. Yeah. No right. Right. I don't even, I don't care if I made him. I don't give a fuck, right? Like, because, <laughs> yeah. because what I've learned from people throughout my life is that the people that try to determine what's right for you are often the people that you resent the most. Yeah. So why would I want, why would I want to be that for my son? Yeah. I, I, I really, tell, you know, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I tell him, don't I, like, I actively tell him like, I don't want you to give a fuck about what I think of you. Yeah. Don't, don't trust me. And I hope he, I hope he listens. How old is he? 10. Nice. He's smart. He's a good kid. He's a real good kid. (laughs) Yeah, man. Freedom goes all the ways, man. As, As if that's a form of, you know, parents who are very strict, you could call it a dictator, like, yeah. <laughs> and that, you know, it kind of, you, you know, you're installing that, like, blockade, like a, a wall within themselves that they that they uh, sort of develop. Because I think I've seen that, you know, I, I'm very extroverted and I'm very wild and free. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see that in other people who are very, a lot of walls within themselves. Yep. You know, and 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 they say it's mostly because of how strict their parents were. Yep. My parents weren't strict with me. They're, I mean, I res- I respected that. I mean, like you know, they didn't just yeah. let me do whatever, but they they didn't have gloves on. You know, right? You know, they just treated me like almost like a man in a sense, especially growing like after a, a certain age. Yeah. Um, and then after once I went to boot camp, forget about it. They right. looked at me as like, uh, you know. Well, maybe like as, as if I was going to die. <laughs> I don't know. But they, they love that I went to the military, you know, my brother, Marine, you know, so they, and my sister's a, a sailor. My brother's a sailor. My brother-in-law is a sailor. Sure. Um, so we're, you know, very military family. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you don't want 
Yeah, you don't want that kind of to anybody, whether you're a parent, right. government, or any anybody, name it. You don't yeah. want to hold anybody down. Right. And that's what we're doing in a micro level, you know. Oh, yeah. I, so, you know, same person will probably be like, oh, I don't want tyranny, you know. I want freedom. And the same person will to their kids. Yeah. yeah you, I mean, I get it. There's rules though. You know, hey, right. can you be home home at, at a certain time? You right. Know, I get that. But I'm just, you know, there's a, a level of strictness that there's some people a, that you're talking about. Has. There's a difference between tyranny, oppression, that kind of stuff, and accountability. Yeah. Right? Because as a kid, you don't know everything. As an adult, you don't know everything. But you know a lot more than a kid does, typically. Right. So when I say, hey, bud, you've got to be home by nine. Right. Well, there's a reason for that. Right. And I'll give a reason. Anything I do, when my son asks for a reason, I give him a reason. If I don't have a good reason, that's true. Things are negotiable. Yeah, right. Like, and, and if, <laughs> if, if he has the ability to prove me wrong, I am willing to listen because it's pretty rare when, you know, someone steps in and is like, what about this? Because I'm an overthinker. I think about everything, right? Oh, yeah, and it's, it's not that I'm always right. I, that's not right. But I think on a level that's typically not normal, right? And what that allows me to do is create simple rules for my son of like, hey, you can do this, but here's your limit. And if he breaks the limit, we got to talk, right? And, it's, and it becomes that conversation and it's, it's the ability where he has the openness to talk to me. He has the ability to express what he wants to express whenever he wants to express it. As long as it's respectful. Like I, like yeah. I'm a human being, you're a human being. I'm always going to treat you with respect. And I, I've proven that to him. Like he knows that, right? Like, um, like there's, there's no interaction where I've ever been hurtful to him. Right. Because I, I know what that was like. Right. I lived with that when I grew up. Um, and I don't want, I, he doesn't need to see that. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I show him that I show him the opposite of what I saw, but I also hold him accountable. Like I'm hard on him. Like, Hey, you, you still have to learn what it means to do this. And this is why we're doing it this way. And if he questions it, go for it. It's just the manner of how he questions it is, is important because I'm teaching you how to communicate with adults. Mm -hmm. You know, like you're 10 years old, like you're closer to adulthood than you are your own birth date. So you have to start learning how to communicate like an adult and start recognizing when people are not good at communicating and how to deal with those people and how to deal with me. Right. And they're so that spectrum. So it's children are so interesting, right. And you can learn so much about children by watching how adults turn out. Oh, it's true. Right. And if you don't want your children to turn out like yourself, you may want to reevaluate how you think as a person and determine whether you are actually teaching your child to think your way mm. or the better way. And what I find is typically parents are like, I'm teaching my, my son or daughter to be me. And I'm like, well, you might want to look at your problem solving. Yeah. Because well, they're already looking at you. Right. Yeah. They're, 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 you don't need to teach them to be you because they're already watching you. And they normally, right. And that's right. the thing is like, they're, they're like parents are trying to actively talk to children about how to be different from them. Mm -hmm. But the problem is children don't listen by talking because they don't understand words yet. 
they watch, right? And then ipso facto, you've been training your child to be you by just being you. And the reality is like, you need to change yourself. You need to lead by example if you want to change exactly. your child. And that's- 100%. That's, that's my little- uh, that's my little understanding of, of parenting. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there one day. <laughs> and I'm learning, right? Every yeah. day. We're all every, learning. Every day yeah. he teaches me something new. It's awesome. All right, brother. Yeah. We, we tried to end it a half hour ago, but oh, did it? <laughs> that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. I love that. Yeah, that that's how, you know, it's a good conversation. We just keep going. Right. Yeah. Um, I go forever. I just gotta. My wife probably gonna want to eat dinner. I, I'm getting hungry. I don't know if you've heard yeah. I, my stomach growl oh, for a little it? bit. Uh, yeah, but I'm. That's good, man. This is a good conversation. Yeah, um, do it again, brother. I'm sure we will. Absolutely. Yeah. We'll we'll keep in touch. But uh, here, let me let me close it out real quick. Uh, and you know, this is episode 16. <sighs> Terry, thanks for joining, man. Appreciate it. And everybody else who's been listening intently for the past, I don't even know, hour and a half, two hours. Uh, thanks for joining us on this week's episode. It's been, it's been awesome. I'm looking forward to having more conversations with Terry. We'll probably collaborate on something, I'm sure. Um, join us whenever I make episode 17. Life's been crazy. We'll see when that is. Um, but we'll see you next time on the Dylan Experience. Take care. I appreciate it.